This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, it's good to see Pastor Andre here. He's a good friend of mine, and we're going to have a great <laughs> we're going to have a great time in the Word. And I just want you to lean in tonight, and uh, and just enjoy what God has for you. And I thank Apostle Theo, Pastor Bev, for the opportunity. Um, yeah, we're going to drill deep into the Word tonight. So praise the Lord. Come on, let's pray. Lord, thank you tonight that we could gather as your children and just to hear your Word. This Word that is life and Pastor Chris was just talking about Jesus and Jesus being the light. And I'm reminded, Father, of your word in, in Psalm 112, verses 4, where it says, When darkness overtakes the godly, light will come bursting in. That means there's a guarantee you're always there to rescue us. And fathers, we learn tonight about the tables being turned in some areas in our lives. Thank you for instilling a passion in our hearts like you did for Jesus. As we prepared to meet you, in your return, which we realize, Lord, is going to, it's just around the corner. So we give you all the praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you ready to turn some tables on things in your lives? And it'll make more sense to you as we move through the scriptures, through this message. But the story in Matthew chapter 21 is so incredibly interesting. What's happening here is it's the start of the Passion Week or the love week, this is the, the week uh, uh, just before or leading up to where Jesus is going to be crucified. And we know that he, he died and we know that he rose from the dead, right? And I believe that what happened in this week, or this week was the most significant week of purpose in Jesus' life, his entire time of being here on the earth. And Easter really is the greatest holiday that we celebrate. Isn't that right? It's a very important time. So let's have a look at Matthew chapter 21, uh, verses 12. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he says now in verse 13, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Let's just take a moment to pause over here. There's two dynamics that Jesus is addressing at this point in time. Firstly is the fact that the place, the temple, was created for one thing, but in this moment, it was not fulfilling what it was created for. And secondly, uh, those that were there that were changing money and those that were there selling stuff were inflating the prices and they were making money. They were exploiting the people that were coming in. And verse 17, it goes on, it says, and he left them and he went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Early the next morning, so this is still within a 24-hour period, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but he found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, the Bible says they were amazed. What beautiful verses and what a crazy, crazy story where, where Jesus shows his passion. And at the heart of both of these encounters, 
both in the temple and at the tree, were unfulfilled purpose. In the temple, it was created to do one thing, but it was not fulfilling its purpose. When Jesus was hungry, he went to the fig tree, didn't he? For something to eat. It was created for one thing, but it wasn't fulfilling its purpose. And this stirred the heart of Jesus in a powerful way. And so tonight, the title of this message is Turn the Tables. And I think that it's awesome that Jesus turned the tables, and that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few moments tonight. So let me just show you, as I, as I, I spoke a little bit about it this morning, this funky little tool over here. I, I'm sorry that it's little, but it is funky. And this is something that was actually designed by my father. He has been a technical man all of his life, and there was a time at work where they needed to drill through rubber, thick pieces of rubber, and they had to drill a lot of holes through the rubber. But there was nothing a normal drill but would not drill through the rubber. And uh, because the rubber would get stuck in the, in the coils uh, of a drill bit, if you know anything about drill bits. So what they did is they had a look at what they could do, and he actually modified the drill bit. And there are specific measurements. I, I don't want to stand here giving them to you, because obviously I don't want to let the family secret out the bag. But the point is that the point is, the point is, that they are, it, it had to be shaped in a specific way on the front, and the thread of the drill itself had to be uh, um, sanded down or grinded down. And I can tell you my thumbs are still sore from rubbing this thing to try and get it smooth over here. But the whole idea was to create something that would allow them to drill through rubber, and this is what it looks like. It's a very unique tool. Now, I mean, it looks like I could use it as a punch, if you know anything about uh, punches, and I'm, I'm not referring to, I'm talking about technically, I could use it as a punch, I could use it as a weapon. So it has different uses, but there was nothing else that this thing was designed to do as good as what it could do that one thing, which was to drill holes through rubber. That's what it was designed to do. There was one thing that it was created to be. And when it was doing that thing that it was created to do, it was functioning at maximum efficiency. And I just think that it's, it's a super cool tool as well. And I think it's cool that my dad uh, invented it. That's a nice word. Woohoo! That's right. And I was thinking about this tool. Has there ever been a time in your life, perhaps, where you've needed a specific tool and you didn't have it, so you grabbed something else instead? Do I have any butter knife screwdriver users over here where you sort of just grip the butter knife and you use that to, I don't know, change lights, clamp off light switch covers, that light switch cover, Pastor Chris, that you used to run to? Maybe just a, a butter knife. Or maybe you've used a pair of pliers instead of a hammer. How many... Plier hammerers do I have here tonight? I, I once used a, a plier. I needed to put a little nail, just a small little nail like this, into the wall. And, and all that I had within my reach was a pair of pliers. And I thought, oh, if I turn it to the side, there's enough flat, strong, solid metal. I'm going to just quickly nail this into the wall. How many of you realize that there was a little bit of collateral damage that came along with that? My aim was not as good as I thought that it was. 
I didn't get the nail in the wall the way that I wanted to, but I also ended up having to put some polyfiller and repaint the wall as well. Because I was using a tool that was not designed for that purpose, it ended up hurting because I can tell you this as well, I missed the nail a few times. And so there was a lot of pain involved as well. And if I had just taken the time to get up and go and fetch the hammer, the tool that was designed to knock a nail into the wall, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken so long and it wouldn't have been so painful and I wouldn't have had to do all sorts of repair work. And isn't that just true that life can be that way too? We're expending a lot of energy in our lives, in our jobs and, and in our marriages and, and with our friends. We're spending a lot of time on, on building our friendships and, and being with our friends and our kids are doing pretty good and, and we're investing ourselves in our success. But at the end of the day, if you're anything like me, there comes a moment where we have to say, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm expending a lot of energy. But am I being most effective? Am I doing what I was created to do? Because if we're not, we're not operating at maximum efficiency. Because, because God built us for a purpose. And I need for you to believe that tonight. The foundation of this message is that God built you and he built me for a purpose. Amen. Let's have another amen there. God built you and he built me for a purpose. And you hear it being said a lot around here at Christian Family Church. Every single believer we say and believe is on a journey with God. And so let me just run a little test by you tonight. Let's see how sharp you are here uh, concerning the, the four-step process that we have. And we'd like every person here at Christian Family Church to go through for your own good. So what are they? Number one, we want you to know God. And then find freedom. And then discover your purpose. And finally, make a difference. This who come on he saw us. That's why we're here. For those of you that are online, perhaps watching from Britain. But anyhow, if we're going to live the life and fulfill our purpose, it has to be on purpose. Let me tell you somebody uh, something. Nobody by accident lives out the purpose that God has for their life. It takes intentionality and it takes focus. You have to be intentional about it and you have to focus on it and you have to be consistent. Look at what the Bible says. Well, let me say it like this. The Bible has a lot to say about purpose. God has a lot to say about that. So let me just quickly go through a couple of scriptures concerning that. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord of hosts, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, unique, designed for a specific purpose, created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works, which God pre prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared it in advance. In other words, you're not a mistake. You were created to do what he prepared in advance for you to do. And in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9, it says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Wow, that tells me that God was intentional about you. 
Tells me that he'd thought about this. He'd planned it long ago. Let's just have a look at another scripture. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, being confident of this. And let me just stop right there and say that I believe God brought some of you here tonight. God put some of you on the other end of that screen because you've lost your confidence in what God wants to do in and through. Just recently, I prayed for a man in one of our services. And he had lost confidence in the fact that God had a plan for him. And you need to be confident again. And I believe God's going to just do something. He's going to spark something inside of you. He's going to reignite something inside of you. Even if you had to, you, maybe you've stepped out of a position that you were in before. And, and, and maybe it was because someone had to, to re-show you how to do it the right way. And for some reason, you, maybe you got offended, but you lost confidence in yourself. And I'm saying that this is, it's ending tonight. So, so much in God's word speaks to the fact that we were created for something specific. God has a purpose and a plan for our life. We just have to figure out what it is and walk in it. Because when we do, when you figure it out and you walk in it, we are going to operate in maximum efficiency. And I think that there are three groups of people in the room tonight. And so if you were here tonight and you were hoping to, I hope that, it's, you know, that he's not going to be talking about me specifically, you're not going to be able to get away from this one because everybody falls into at least one of these categories. So let me quickly unpack what they are. The first one is, I've never discovered my purpose. Maybe you're in the room or you're watching online and, and you're a part of this group that have just never discovered your purpose. Maybe you just recently gave your heart to the Lord or uh, uh, maybe you've just started coming to church. In fact, there are people in the church, I have to tell you, that have been coming for a long, long time and they've never connected the dots as to what their purpose actually is. And it took me a long time to realize that my church was where God would take me through this process. Two weeks ago, Pastor Johnny shared a, a powerful message about the vision of the church. How many of you were here? He, he said that he would, it happens twice a year, and he, and he used the example of Jesus praying for the man with the, the mud on his eyes. It's important for us to hear the vision. And, I, and I, I trust that those of you that heard that could hear so clearly that coming in or, or through that message was the fact that the whole purpose and vision of the church was for you to discover your purpose and for you to be given an opportunity to make a difference because that's what God has called you to do. And so we create the environment. We, God puts the church here and creates that environment in order for you to live out the plan that he has for you. And so this journey that we have for you to take here at Christian Family Church if you choose to make this your home or you have recently chosen to make this your home or this has been your home for a very long time and you still haven't done the growth track, then I want to encourage you to get on the growth track. You know, we've had people that tell us that they've, they've been a part of this church for many years, but they thought, oh, yes, you know, I've been here for so long. Uh, what more can you teach me? I, I don't need to do this growth track thing. And then when they went on the growth track, when they took that step, God opened their eyes to so much more that he had planned for them. Something was said, something was shown, something was dealt with, and it just changed them. And they're serving very happily in the church now. So it's a vehicle that we have to help you figure out what your purpose is. 
I've discovered, uh, the second group of people, sorry, are those that have discovered their purpose, but they're disconnected from it. This group have discovered their purpose, they've gone through the growth track, or they've, they've done something similar in another church, or they've had someone that sat down with them, and, and have you know, spoken to them about uh, where they see themselves in the church and, and gotten them involved that way around. But at this point in your life, if you were honest, you'd say, you know what, I've discovered it, but I'm, I'm disconnected from it. I'm not fully fulfilling what God has created me to do. And there are varying degrees of this. There are people that are partially disconnected. Maybe you just haven't fulfilled it in a little while, but you were not too long ago. Or there could be folks that are fully disconnected who would say it's been a long time since I felt like I'm living my life in such a way that I'm doing what God has called me to do. And I'm making a difference doing it. It happens to all of us. We all sometimes might get off track a little bit. So if you're in that place tonight, let me encourage you, don't be discouraged. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be discouraged. Know that God has got a plan. And if you've been off track before, then tonight, tonight is the perfect time to get back on track. And the third group of people are those that say, I've discovered my purpose and I'm fulfilling it. This third group of people that are here in the room and perhaps even are are watching online, these are the ones that have discovered their purpose and they're fulfilling their purpose. And if you're honest, you'd say to me, man, right now I'm living my best life. When you're fulfilling your purpose, you're operating at maximum efficiency. God is stirring you. God's doing great things in your life. This is the moment where you are fully living your best life. This thing right over here, this tool, what does it drill through? Rubber. If it had the ability to feel, it would never feel more useful than what it was when it was doing what it was created to do. And your your life isn't the exact same way. So if that's you tonight, then I have a challenge for those of you that are actually exactly where you need to be and you're feeling super fulfilled. Here's my challenge to you. I want you to help us pull others into that life. I want you to help us with discipling. We've been talking about discipling people. Don't just stay doing the thing that's working really well for you and your life's firing on all cylinders. Get other people to to experience that as well. I want you to go after other people who don't have that experience right now and help us bring them in. We need this message, folks. We all need to be reminded. Because here's why. Here's the big idea. If the enemy can't keep us out of heaven, he will do everything that he can to make us ineffective on the earth. That's the big idea of the night. If he can't keep us out of heaven, which if you've got a relationship with Jesus and you've surrendered your heart to him, he can't keep you out of heaven. Your eternity is secure, but he will do everything that he can to make you ineffective in this earth. And I love the series that Apostle Theo did not too long ago when he spoke about heaven. And he gave us so much hope and he reminded us, no matter what happens on this earth, in the end we win. But there's also a reality that if we're still here, that means that God is not done with us yet. The Bible talks about eternal life, which is where we secure our eternity or where we secure heaven. 
but it also talks about abundant life. And abundant life happens in the place where we're operating according to the purpose God created us for. How many of you want an abundant life? Praise the Lord. Well, you need to be operating and doing and fulfilling the purpose that God created you for. So what has happened over the last two years, maybe almost three years, is that so many, all of us really, have been affected in some way by what's happened. I don't have to mention the name. You know what I'm talking about. But, but all these things that have happened since 2020, all of us have been affected in different ways. Dr. John Maxwell said this. He made this statement in 2020. He said, everyone moved, everyone was uncertain, and everyone was revealed. Everyone, nobody was exempt from this part of the process. Everyone moved, everyone was uncertain, and everyone was revealed. And what I want you to know is that in the moving and in the uncertainty and in the revealing, the enemy that we have is on the prowl and he's looking for those that he can devour. That's what the Bible tells us. So here's the deal. All that being said about purpose and all the things that have happened to us, I want to get practical in these last few minutes that we are together tonight. And I want to help you identify where you are. So let me share with you three ways that the enemy will attack you living out your purpose. And then I'm going to give you three commitments that you can make, some action steps that you can take and live it out on purpose with intentionality. Are you ready for the three things? Okay, excellent. Here we go. And then at the end of the message, we're going to pray. We're going to have a time of prayer where we're going to uh, almost recommission ourselves to God. But I just believe with all of my heart that, that I was sent here tonight and that you are here tonight and you're watching tonight and those that are in the family room are here tonight so that we can turn the tables on the enemy. Right now, the enemy thinks that, that he's winning in our lives. He thinks that that might be what he's, he's managed to achieve through these last few years. But it's time to turn the tables on the enemy just like Jesus. His heart was stirred with passion when he saw purpose not being fulfilled. And I want us to be stirred with the same status of things in our lives tonight and not to stay where we are. I so badly want to just turn this pulpit as a demonstration. So there are three ways that the enemy wants to attack, but we're going to turn the table on those three things. The first one is we're turning the table on a self-centered life. The story that we read is amazing. It talks about a group of people, the money changers and the merchants, and they were only focused on themselves. They went into this thing saying, what can I gain from this? Let me remind us that in every single one of us, there's a gravitational pull towards self. The Bible even shows Jesus had a moment in scripture where there was that gravitational pull. Why? Because he was human. And it came in the garden of Gethsemane where he said, Father, if there's any way that this bitter cup could be taken from me, please find another way. But then he said some of the most beautiful words in scripture where he said, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. And in that moment, Jesus had to turn his own tables. In that moment, he had to look and say, you know what? I'm not living for me. I'm, not li I'm living for them and for all of those that will come after them. It was really a beautiful thing, folks. And honestly, I think that 
of these last two and a bit years has really enhanced this. We live in the most egocentric, self-centered society that we've ever lived in before. It's crazy. You know that. You've seen it. You've seen it on the social medias where everybody wakes up every day and, and myself included. I have to be honest with you some days thinking, what can I do today to make my life better? How am I going to protect me? How am I going to guard me? What's in it for me? And I just believe that it's time for the church to rise up and look different and live different. Just in this week, I was at a conference, a church conference. There were more than 100 churches represented there. And one of the themes that they had there, one of the central themes was that it's time for the church to live differently. It's time for the church to look differently. Because things, so much things have changed over, over time. And we're in, we're in such a great place as a church, Christian family church. There's so much happening and so, so many people have come back and, and so many people are involved. And, and there's just, it's, it feels like COVID never happened here at Christian Family Church. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I want us to make this commitment tonight. I commit to live outward, not live inward. I'm going to live outside of myself instead of just focusing on myself. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Those sitting here tonight who, who live an outward-focused life, and you're just killing it when, it when it relates to this. You know, you're, as I said earlier, you're doing everything that you're supposed to. You're firing on, firing on all cylinders. I'm just reminding you again and challenging you to find others that don't know how to do it and help them do it better. I know so many people that serve here so selflessly and so brilliantly. Pull others in and show them how it's done. And we could help you here at the church, uh, uh, put you in touch with people uh, that you can disciple, basically. In Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. <laughs> God wants us to pull others in. He wants us to help others. It's not an outward-styled life. And so a practical question, if you can identify with maybe, maybe you're thinking, you, you know what, I have been living a bit of a self-centered life then I want you to ask yourself this question. How can I live today to make somebody else's life better? So we're going to commit to live a life that's making a difference, a life that's plugged into purpose, not disconnected, but engaged. And, and we're going to say, let's say it together. Say, I will commit to live outward and not inward. Remember the question, how can I live today to make someone else's life better? Now, thank you, my, my wife and my baby, for thinking that way tomorrow morning. All right, so the second thing that we're going to do to combat the, the, the enemy trying to, to derail us is we're going to turn the tables on a stagnant life. Isn't it easy for life to just get stagnant? The same thing happening over and over. We wake up, we eat the same breakfast, 
we get dressed the same way, we drive to work the same route, we do the same stuff at work, we leave at the same time, everything we do is the same, we get home, we cook a meal, we wash the kids, uh, we wash ourselves and we go to bed and it just keeps on like that. Every day begins to look the same and we get into these routines or into these ruts and even sometimes we can get comfortable being there. And in the story that we read here in Matthew chapter 21, very interesting, the temple clearing actually happened once before. I don't know if you're aware of that. In the book of John, I've got something bothering my lip here, sorry. In the book of John, he actually cleared the temple before in the book of John. But in the beginning of, it happened in the beginning of Jesus' ministry and he cleared the temple already. So what does that tell us? It tells us that three years later, they'd fallen back into the same old routine. They'd showed up at the temple again to sell their stuff and to make money and to do all the things that they were once doing. And I was thinking about all of that and the realities that 2020 brought with it, the pain and the heartache and the broken people and the loss. But I think even scarier than, than the reality of what happened with 2020 is that some of the mentality that 2020 has produced Mentalities of fear, mentalities of comfort. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going back there again. God was with me in COVID uh, when we weren't allowed to gather together at church. So why would God not be with me now if I continue to stay at home? What happened has given us some mentalities of distance and disengagement. And I'm, I'm letting you know tonight that that's not okay. That's not the right mentality to have. Because if we buy into it, our life is going to get stagnant. So how can we come against the attack of the enemy if our life feels stagnant? Let's commit to growth and not comfort. So say that I will commit to growth and not comfort. Listen, folks, you can have growth or you can have comfort, but you can't have both. If you like running or cycling or gymming or or uh, uh, I said running, jogging, or walking, or uh, you know, my, my wife likes to do something called uh, step classes. It's like a step aerobic thing that you do. And, and she comes home after a, a heavy step class and she says, yo, that instructor was hectic tonight. He thought that we were all advanced steppers. It was so tough, my goodness, I love it. I can't wait to go back tomorrow night. And that's what happens. All of you that exercise and know about these things, you've learned that if you keep it, it you'll grow a lot, but it's not going to be comfortable. And in the story of my wife, she says, as I said, she says she loves it. But the things that are not easy or comfortable are always worth it. That's why she keeps going back because it produces growth. We can't have both. The Apostle Paul understood this when he said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10, he says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Then in verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. He didn't get stagnant. He pressed on to take hold of what Jesus Christ took hold of for him. We can't let our lives get stagnant. So we're going to make a commitment. Look at me, folks. I think that some of us have made more of a commitment to comfort than we have to growth. 
And I just think that it's time for us to say, I'm no longer gonna commit myself to comfort. I'm gonna commit myself to growing and pushing and moving and obtaining what God has for me. The practical question that you can ask yourself is this, what growth step do I need to take? This is personal for you, but I want you to ask it. Ask it to yourself right now, and I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And when He speaks, I want you to take a step of obedience and watch yourself, not just stroll out of a stagnant life, but you are gonna jump out of a stagnant life. The moment you take the step of obedience, we're gonna turn the tables on what the enemy is trying to do to us. And the third one, this one's important, is we're gonna turn the tables on a sidelined life. We're gonna turn the tables on a sidelined life. This is a terrible place to be. I thought about that fig tree. Jesus went over to it and the scripture even gives us details about the tree. It tells us that the tree had leaves on it and that it looked good, but there was no fruit. And I thought, isn't that true of our lives sometimes? Things are looking good in our lives. We have all the leaves and it looks like everything is where it should be and so on. But unfortunately, there's no fruit. The biggest bummer of that is that Jesus came to the earth and endured all that he did so that we didn't have to sit on the sidelines. So for us to live a sidelined life, we're missing out on every opportunity that Jesus paid for. Let me tell you this about a sidelined life. When I heard what Apostle Theo said this morning in his message, I thought, thank you, Lord, that I'm not sitting on a sideline life. What he said moved me this morning. It shook me. It, it was sobering. Because even I, we get in a rut. We know Jesus is coming back. We know Jesus is coming back. But it took a message this morning to remind me, listen, it's on the doorstep. So we need to make sure that we're living out the purpose that we were called for so that we can hear those words. You want to know what those words are? Well done, good and faithful servant. Time is running out. So I'm urging you tonight on behalf of Jesus. If you have... Uh, you know, if you can identify with any one of these where you have, you know, maybe you've been committed before, but somehow you've, you've sort of withdrawn from that. Maybe you find yourself living a sidelined life. Maybe you find yourself living a stagnant life or a self-centered life. Tonight's an opportunity for us to, to change that, to commit, to make a commitment. So what is your, your next step? Some of you need to give your hearts to Jesus. You've, you've never stepped into a relationship with him. Maybe this is the first time that you've heard that he actually gave his life for you. And tonight, getting into the game for you looks like giving your heart to Jesus. Maybe you need to take the practical next step and go to track, growth track next weekend. It's never too late. Or maybe you need to take that step and call the person that, that you need to reconnect with. Maybe you need to phone that group leader. Group leader, maybe you need to phone that group. Maybe you need to phone that, that pastor or the, the person that looked after your group and say, listen, I need to get back into the game. I want to get back into the game.
Turn to your neighbor, say, we need to get back into the game. Say that, we need to get back into the game. See, here's what I want to do right now. If you're here and you've identified with a self-centered life, I think let's all just stand. Can we do that? Let's just stand. And just take a moment. Just allow the Lord to allow him to just bear witness in your heart. Bring things to your attention. Father, thank you right now. If you, you're standing there, maybe on the other side of the camera, in your lounge, and you say, you know what I have, I can identify with the fact that I've lived a self-centered life, then what I want you to do is I want you to give it to God right now. <laughs> God's intention is never, never, ever, ever to bring conviction or condemnation rather, let me say. That's not his plan. He loves you too much. But he wants to see you filled with joy. There was a scripture in John chapter 15, verses 8. It says this, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. God's desire. Yes, he wants you to bear fruit. Why? Because he wants you to be in joy and he wants your joy to be complete. Thank you, Father, for reminding of, this, of that right now. So if you can identify with a self-centered life, then we just give it to the Lord right now. You can do it under your breath. We just, Father, we just right now, I'm sorry where I've lived a self-centered life. I'm so sorry, Father, that I've, I've, I've thought about just really me and my house especially when we have, uh, you know, political turmoil. The first thing I think about is how am I going to protect myself? That's what I do, Lord. I'm so sorry. It may not have been today. It may not have been last week, but I can identify with that sometimes. God wants you to get back into the game. You can just say, Father, I want to get back into the game. Help me get back into the game. Give me direction. Show me steps. In Jesus' name. And if growth track is that next step, then already now I'm saying you might be pumped right now because we're in this atmosphere. The Lord is present. I'm saying to you, if you're making that commitment, then you go to step three next week on growth track. Yeah, but Paul, I might not feel like it then. You just do it. That's the thing. It's not going to be easy always, but it will be worth it. And then if you're here tonight and you can identify with living a stagnant life, if that's you, then just give it over to God right now. Father, I thank you for every single person that is in this room. If their life has become stagnant, at one point they were on fire, they were bringing people to church. They were excited about church. But they've found themselves just sort of slowing down to the point where they've, they've almost atrophied. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that life returns into that situation, Father. And not just in this moment where they're captured up, but Father, I thank you that they will see it through. There will be no procrastination. 
In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that they are unstagnated. In Jesus' name, the cement around their feet, I just have this image, that cement around their feet has been broken with the hammer of Jesus. And they are on the move again. And if you're here tonight and you feel like, you know what, Paul, I've been living a sideline life, man. I come to church and, I, and I've even wondered, Jill, I'd like to be involved but I'm too shy or I just, you know, when the service ends, I just need to get out or I've forgotten to speak to somebody or whatever. You've been sitting on the sidelines and tonight I know, listen, God's calling me to get into the game. Then you just surrender to the Lord right now. Father, I thank you. Every person that's been sitting on the sidelines, I declare in Jesus' name, they're jumping into the game. Whatever it might be that's holding you back, a past hurt or a, 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 a um, what do we call it? Um, offense, an offense, an offense. If there's something like that, I'm saying put that aside. Jesus is coming soon. Let's not be held back by something that we don't need to be held back by. If you're sitting on the sidelines, I just see you coming into the game. The only people that we should be sitting on the sideline, folks, are those that have gone on to be with Jesus. That cloud of a witness that the book of Hebrew talks about, they're the ones that are allowed on the sidelines. But while we're here, we need to be in the game. And so I thank you, Father, for putting us in the game for those that are on the sidelines. And you know who you are because the Lord's speaking to you right now. Your heart's being stirred. I thank you that they're back in the game in the name of Jesus. Just spend a bit of time. Just spend a bit of time. Just thank God for His grace. We thank you for your grace, Father. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Let people just feel your love wash over them right now. Thank you, Father, for not forgetting about us. Thank you for not forgetting about us. You know what? I just, I just want to talk to some folks that I believe are here that have seen others promoted, and I'm talking about in the church. You've seen others promoted into a position that you feel you should have been given. I just feel like there are people listening to this message and there are those that are are actually wrestling with that. Why was I not given that position? You don't want to have a bad attitude about it, but it's just something that you're battling to let go of. God wants to set you free tonight, whoever that may be. You're wrestling with the fact, you come to church, you see that person doing what you believe you should be doing. And you need to let that go. I just thank you right now. You just, just receive that right now in the name of Jesus. Let it go. Promotion does come from God and not from man. And the Lord has not forgotten about you. He's not forgotten about you. So often people, that is something that they battle with. 
They're saying, I'm not going to. I'm 10 times older than this person. I've been in this church so many years longer than this person. I'm not going to be answering to a little tokerki. And I'm just praying in Jesus' name that you just let that go. In the name of Jesus. There's one more thing that we need to do, something very important. You may take your seats, and while you take your seats, please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I mentioned that there are some people here that your next step to get into the game for you is to give your life to Jesus. There are people sitting here tonight that have never given their lives to Jesus, and that's where it has to start for you. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to start living the life that you've been called to live. And it starts by giving your life to Jesus. So if you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want that to happen tonight, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. You're about to get into the game of your life, but it's the game of your eternity. And you know, ironically, I'm using the word game. You don't want to play games with your eternity. If you want to give your heart to the Lord, if you're sitting here tonight, I'm going to pray with you and that's going to change. If you're sitting here tonight and you had a relationship with God, but that has grown distant, it's grown cold. You're, maybe you're sitting in your seat right now, you're still upset with God because of what happened. then I want to include you in this prayer because the Lord is saying, I'm here for you. I'm the Father that sits and watches every day to see you come back on the horizon. And I'm standing here ready to throw my coat over you and to give you the ring and a kiss because you are my child. And thirdly, if you're sitting here tonight, if you were to die, you don't know for sure that you would spend eternity in heaven. You don't know where you're going to go if you were to die, but you want to know because you don't know when you're going to die. I want to include you in this prayer. So if you fill into any of those three categories at the count of three, please raise your hand. One, two, three. Right now, raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Come on, folks. You don't want to leave this building tonight not knowing about your eternity. There is an eternity waiting for you. No matter what your grandfather told you or your grandmother or what the previous church told you, there is an eternity waiting for everybody. And we don't know when we're going to die. No one knows. If there's anyone else, you can raise your hand right now. We're going to make sure. I'm going to ask one of the leaders to come uh, over to you. If you don't mind, one of our dream teamers, thank you. Thank you for that hand. If there's anyone else, you can raise your hand right now. The Bible doesn't say you have to raise your hand. That's not a requirement. But it is a way for you to show God, hey, Lord, I want this. I want this. It's just a way. That's how we work here. That's how we work as people. When the rugby score, uh, when the rugby team scores, we raise our hands. We're, uh, we're, that, we're people of actions. So if there's anyone else, you can raise your hand. We want to see where you are. We want to pray with you. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I'm going to ask everybody, those at home, if you've raised your hand, those in the family room, we're going to just all pray this together. And I'm going to ask that everybody prays this prayer together with me. And just listen to what you're saying. It's a very short prayer, but it's about to change your eternity. So let's say this, say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. You took the punishment that I actually deserve. And tonight, 
I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for being beaten for me. Let's say that again. Thank you for being beaten for me. Thank you for being nailed to that cross for me. Thank you for going to hell in my place. And tonight, I receive what you did for me. I ask you to come into my life. I surrender completely to you. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. I'm free and I'm bound for heaven. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.